I have a subject to preach on tonight that is not usually heard of. But I think you'll be quite surprised to hear what the Word of God has to say. First of all, I'd like you all to turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 35. I'm only going to read a couple of verses here, but we will be going back to chapter 35. First lot I'd like to read is from uh, verse 13. Actually, verse 12. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will ye not receive instruction to hearken to my words, saith the Lord? Verse 14. The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed for unto this day they drink none but obey their father's commandment notwithstanding I have spoken unto you rising early and speaking but ye hearken not unto me verse 17 therefore thus saith the Lord God of hosts the God of Israel behold I will bring upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken unto them, but they have not heard. And I have called unto them, but they have not answered. And Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because you have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab, your father, and kept all his precepts, and done according unto all that he hath commanded you. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me forever. Okay. I want to go into the origin of this particular group of people. And it's, well, before we do that, we'll, we'll just commit that to the Lord, shall we? Our great God and loving Father, we thank you, Lord God, for who you are. We thank you for your precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for your guiding light, that Holy Spirit that leads and guides us. Lord, we just pray that as uh, we bring these words tonight, that the words will be yours, not the speaker's. Lord, that uh, is a privilege to come here and to preach. It's a privilege to handle God's word. Help us, Lord, to be uh, meek. Help us to be ready to hear what you would have to say to us through your word, we pray. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> According to the Book of Annals of the World by Bishop Usher, this occurred around 841 to 814 BC. This is when Abraham, after Sarah's passing, took another wife. Her name was Keturah. 
and their fourth-born son was called Midian. Remember that word, remember that name, Midian. Now, Midian's sons were Ephah, Ephur, and Hanok, and Abidah, and Eldah. These were the children of Keturah. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 2 to 4, Abraham gave everything he had to his son Isaac. Everything. He gave gifts unto the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had, and sent them away. Sent them all away from his son. His son lived eastward and they went other directions. In Genesis 25 verse 6, just read that. It says this. But unto the sons of the concubines which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac his son while he yet lived eastward unto the east country. But these are the days of Abraham's life which he lived and a hundred threescore and fifteen years. He died not long after that. Now these Midianites, they were involved in attacking Israel at different times, in different occasions with different groups of people. They are Midian fathered a man called Jethro. You might remember that Jethro is the father-in-law of Moses. And he was what they call a Kenite. Before God gave Abraham the land, the Canaan land, there were all sorts of groups of people that were living there. But they worshipped a particular idol and it was called the God of Corn and it was called Cain, K-A-I-N, and it was a female God, the God of Corn. And some, some uh, commentators believe that that's one of the reasons why God gave the land to Abraham because of the idol worship that was going on in Canaan. During that time, there were families of, of the scribes which dwelt at Jabez, the Turathites, the Shimeothites, the Succothites. These are the Kenites. These were all part of the same family, the Kenites, that came of Hemath, that was the father of these Kenites. His name was Hamath. And he was also the father of a fellow called Rechab. Remember that name. Rechab means rider. 
you're in the book of Judges. What happened to that? Oh, there it is. <laughs> yes. Um, that was the origins. Now we're moving on to the kindness that was shown. In the book of Judges, chapter 1, verse 16, it says this, And the children of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up out of the city of palm trees. Now, I've looked into this city, and most commentators believe that it is Jericho that they're talking about here, the, the city of palm trees with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lieth in the south of Arad. And they went there and dwelt amongst the people. So these particular Kenites were dwelling amongst the Jews, the Jew people from Judah. Then there occurred a separation in Judges chapter 4, verse 11, it says this. Now Heber, the Kenite, which was of the children of Hobab, which is Moses' father-in-law, another name for him, had severed himself from the Kenites. He split from the other Kenites. From my understanding, there was about four different groups of Kenites in the, and around that time. And pitched his tent unto the plain of Zainaim, which is by Kadesh. Now, the name Heber doesn't really spark a reminder, but when I say Jael, who was his wife, that should spark a little bit of a memory for people. Pastor mentioned this the other week, and uh, JL was the lady who put that tent peg through that bloke's head. He was the captain of Caesarea. His name was Caesarea, and his, he was the captain of the um, Syrian Syrian army. And his, his uh, king was called uh, Jabin. Yeah, he was the captain of, of uh, Jabin's army. Now, these Kenites were dwelling amongst the Amalekites. Now, if you know anything about what the Amalekites did to Israel, they were pretty bad. They attacked Israel on their way across the desert. And as Israel went across the desert, they had... The armies and that at the front of them, and the, the, first of all, they had the musicians and everything at the front of them. Then they had the, the young ones, mothers, older people, all at the back. And that's where they attacked. They attacked at the back. Very cowardly, you know, attacking older people and young people and all the rest of it. But that's what the Amalekites did. And these Kenites, some of these Kenites lived with the Amalekites. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 5, it says this, And Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. 
Verse 6 says, And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites. Get out of here. Now, lest I destroy you with them. That's what he said. He gave them an option to get out of there. The reason why he gave an option is the kindness. The kindness that was shown by the uh, Kenites to the Jews on their way through the desert with uh, Jethro and his family. All that was remembered by these people. And Saul, being the first king of Israel, he, he said this. He said, I'll give you the chance. Get out of here before I destroy everything. But as we know, Saul didn't destroy everything. He took the king. He took the best of everything. When God told him through um, Samuel, kill them all. Destroy everything. Don't want anything brought back. But we know that Saul didn't do what he was told to do. But he destroyed quite a few Amalekites. And that was because of that, that kindness that was shown. In Exodus chapter 18, if we could turn to there. Exodus 18. We'll just read a few verses in this. Exodus 18, chapter, uh, verse 1, when Jephro, now get this, the priest of Midian. So it's confirming that Jephro is a Midianite, the priest of Midian. Moses' father-in-law heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people. And the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. How the Lord had brought out Israel out of Egypt. Then Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, which was Moses' wife, after he had sent her back. And just go down to uh, verse 8. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. And Jephro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jephro said, Blessed be the Lord, who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. He's acknowledging that God. He's acknowledging God here. Blessing him. This this sparked something in Jephro. Jephro, remember, was not a believer before this happened. They used to worship the the Cain god. Now, in verse uh, twelve, I think. Yeah. In verse twelve, it says this. No, verse eleven. Now I know that the Lord is great, greater than all gods. 
For in the thing wherein they dwelt proudly, he was above them. Talking about the Egyptians. Jephro's Moses' father-in-law took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Remembering that Jephro is not a Jew. But he still was invited to offer sacrifices to God with the leaders of this group. Now, turning back to uh, these um, Kenites, which is what Jephro is a, a, a one of, the Kenites are also mentioned by King David in his answer to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath, in 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse 10. And it says this. And Achish said, Whither have ye made a road today? And David said, Against the south of Judah, against the south of the Jeremielites, <laughs> and against the south of the Kenites. Just remember, the Kenites was about four different groups split up. Hamath was the father of a fellow called Rechab. Remember I said to remember that name, Rechab? Rechab was the name that this group named himself, well, were named after, which was called the Rechabites. Now, I just want to pause for a minute. In today's society, there is a group of people that call themselves the Independent Order of Rechabites. It was started in the um, temperous uh, times in uh, England in 1800s. And it's a group of people that will not drink wine or strong drink. Okay, They are around today, but they're not who we're talking about tonight. Okay, I just wanted to make that clear distinction between these two groups. Okay? Now moving on to the Rechabites. We read in Jeremiah chapter 35. We can just go back there again. Jeremiah 35. I just want to read some of the parts we didn't read before. In verse 15, the Lord said this through Jeremiah. I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets rising up early and sending them, saying, Return ye now every man from his evil way, and amend your doings, and go not after other gods to serve them. And ye shall dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your fathers, but ye have not inclined your ear nor hearkened unto me. Because the sons of Jonadab, 
the son of Rechab, have performed commandment of their father, which he commanded them, but this people have not hearkened unto me. God's emphasising here that these people are doing what their earthly father has commanded them to do. And yet Judah, the people of Judah, can't do what God has commanded them to do. I just want to give you a little bit of a um, picture of where this is happening. It's the first incursion by Nebuchadnezzar coming into Israel, coming into Judah. The Rechabites normally would be dwelling outside the city in tents. They decided that they needed to come inside the city for protection. So they came inside the city. It's the first time in 200 years that they've changed their thoughts on actually living out in the tents at that time. This was for a protection thing. So the Rechabites are inside um, Jerusalem and Jeremiah's been told by God to go and show the people of Judah an example, a good example. And the fact is they still did not listen. God still brought upon them the destruction of Jerusalem. It was an object lesson for the Jews, for the, for the children of Israel that were living in, Judah, uh, in uh, Jerusalem at the time. Now, during that time, God told Jeremiah to test the Rechabites, to test them. And how he did it was he invited them to an outer room of the temple and while they were in there, he presented them with bowls of wine. And this is what happened. It, it happened here in... Uh, Verse 35, chapter 35. They said this. The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. For unto this day they drink none, but obey their father's commandment, notwithstanding... I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye hearken not unto me. Sorry, that's God talking there. But what he's referring to is that is what God did at that particular time. He wanted to show Israel that he was very disappointed with them because they did not do what he wanted them to do. And he was using these 
Rechabites as a higher standard than them because they kept their father's earthly father's commandments. Now those commandments were not to drink wine, not to build or live in houses, not to plant crops and not to grow vineyards. They were the four things that he was told not to do they were told not to do. Now these Rechabites, they worshipped Jehovah. They did worship Jehovah. They actually became circumcised. In some of the readings I'll, I'll read to you later, they are, they are referred to as Jews. But they're not Jews. In the, uh, the Jewish Encyclopedia... It says this. They descended from Hamath, the progenitor of the house of Rechab. Jephro, they existed at different times in both the north and southern kingdom. They were interested in worship of Yahweh and the chronicler connects them with the Kenites. In another book called the Talmud, they're referred to again. And in this, it's a fellow by the name of Benjamin Tadella, Judah. In his uh, Nezra Yisrael, Prague 1599, claims that the Jews in China are descended from the Rechabites that are referred to in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 12. And in that it says, Behold, these shall come from far, and lo, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sinem. They refer to the land of Sinem as being the Middle East. Oh, sorry, uh, Asia, <laughs> big Asia, not little Asia. <laughs> now this Benjamin Tadella, this was in 1160 BC, found Rechabites in his travel. He did 21 days journey from Babylon through the desert of Sheba and Al-Yemen, which Mesopotamia lies in a northerly direction. And he said... And we come across the abode of these Jews who are called Rechabites and describes them as independent tribe, an independent tribe, living in tents like Bedouins. The Rechabites were also found by the English missionary by the name of Joseph Wolfe in 1828 near Mecca in Arabia. He credits them with the observance of pure Mosaic law. They speak Arabic and a little Hebrew. 
They are good horsemen and number about 60,000 people. And that was verified in his one and only book. <laughs> it also mentions the Rechabite in Nehemiah, chapter 3, verse 14. Remember when Nehemiah was repairing the wall of Jerusalem? Well, there was a Rechabite in there. It says in Nehemiah 3.14, But the dung gate repaired Malchiah, the son of Rechab, the ruler of part of Beth-Hak-Serem. He built it and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. So these people got around. Now, just a, a little thought on their leader. Jehonadab. Jehonadab means Jehovah makes free willing. That's what Jehonadab means. Now, Jonadab can be Jonadab or it can be Jehonadab. It's the same person. He's first mentioned in the book of 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 15 and 23. And it's when Jehu, Jehu, who's a king, was on his way to Samaria and he met Jonadab. And this is what he said to Jonadab. Direct quote from the word of God. Is thy heart right, which means true, as my heart is with thy heart. Jonadab gave his hand in token of pledge fellowship. Then Jehu took him up to him in his chariot and imparted his secret plan. Now, without reading what that plan was, I do know what that plan was, and the plan was to destroy all the prophets of Baal, all of them. Now Jehu was the bloke, Jehu, the king, he went out and he destroyed all the family of Ahab. He went after the whole family of Ahab. And this was after that, that they went after the prophets of Baal. Jonadab was one of the ones, well he was the one that gave the command to the men to be circumcised that they follow the strict commands to adhere to not to drink wine not to live in houses not to plant vineyards and not to sow crops so they lived in tents like Bedouins they had to live separated they had to live separated from the degenerate people, those people that particularly drank wine and grew vineyards to keep themselves unspotted from those around them. Now, that's not biblical. That's my words there. But that's what they did. They lived outside these people, from away from these people. And that included the Jews. This was after Jehonadab come on the scene. Now this they did 
like I said earlier, for, for two centuries, two to three centuries, that's a long time, until Nebuchadnezzar came in and made it all different. Now, according to Watson's Bible, Biblical Theological Dictionary, to this day, there is found among the Arabians of the desert distinct and free and practising the exactly the institutions of Jehonadab in a tribe called, uh, where was it? Here it is. This is Arabic, so <laughs> excuse my pronunciation. Beni Kaber, B-E-N-I, a hyphen, K-H-A-B-I-R. So these people were found and they were practising exactly all those things. And why do you say that? Well, go back to Jeremiah chapter 35. There's one section that you might not have picked up on. It comes in verse 19. Now remember who's speaking here. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me for, what's the word? Forever. Forever. This is a promise from God. Now, I looked up the words here and the word want here means lack. So if you put Rechab shall not lack a man to stand before me forever. That me is God. That me is God. So what does that mean? That's a special promise. That's a special blessing. That's why I put headed the thing tonight. With separation comes blessing. These people were blessed because of their honouring their own spiritual father. God saw that and looked upon that and was, you know, he, he rewarded that. He rewarded their devotion to their earthly father. Honouring his commands. Even when, at that time, they had to come into the city to protect themselves. That was the only thing they didn't do, was um, everything else sort of fell apart because they had to come into the city to protect themselves from the invading Nebuchadnezzar. So this is a special blessing. And... I couldn't believe it when I read it because I thought there was only two people that were really blessed, groups of people that were really blessed in the Bible. The Jews, God's chosen people, and the church. But to read this, there's a third group. Now, it doesn't say that these guys are going to live forever here in heaven. But it does say there's going to be an ancestor of Jehonadab forever. They're going to be around forever. 
Now that could be living on earth forever. I don't know. I haven't looked into that. But I found that really amazing to read those words and to find that there was another group of people that were especially blessed. No, it's not a second blessing. Don't get that confused. They are blessed by God because it says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. When, they, when, the, when, when that's mentioned, that's God speaking. No one else, even though he's using Jeff, uh, Jeremiah as a mouthpiece, that is God's words. Because of their obedience to their earthly father. And he was so taken by their behaviour, their attitude towards their own earthly father, that he put them up on a pedestal up here below his own people because he wanted to show them an example of how they should be living. They should be honouring God like Jehonadab's Rechabites were honouring their own earthly father. We, um, there it is. In conclusion, we ourselves know as Christians we have been blessed with everlasting life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him, in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But while we are engaged and busy in the service as servants for our Lord and King, we need to practice separation from sin and the appearance of and from the world, the flesh and the devil. To live in the world but not be part of the world, to abstain from fleshly lusts as to not give the devil a foothold in our lives. We have the blessings now, but we've got more blessings to come. Heavenly blessings. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so... We can learn a lot from these Rechabites. We can learn a lot from how the opposite behaviour from the Jews, from the children of Israel, how much that affected God in relationship to seeing an earthly group who worship an earthly father to an earthly group that is supposed to worship a heavenly father. I was really encouraged when I read this. I didn't know it was there. I had no idea. But I really believe it's a blessing to read it, to understand it, and to 
grasp the the things that God wants us to take hold of. Just out of this particular picture of these this family. They're not Jews. They're not church. They were connected to the Jews through marriage. Moses' father-in-law was a Kenite. So, praise the Lord. And uh, hope that was a blessing to you. As much as it has been for me to, to study and, and, uh, and look into these, these groups of people and see how they're interconnected. And uh, that's only just touching the surface. There's more in there about them than what was brought forward tonight. Well, thank you.